0: Badens best Carlson. Carlson, Carlson. Carlson. Hoy, här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson. Carlson. Ingen fact, Ingen annan Carlson. Carlson, Carlson. bra som mig. Carlson. 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 Carlson.
1: Scores.
0: Carlson. Yeah! Carlson. Carlson. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy podcast in the world, hosted by two guys, on Eric Carlson, in their keeper pools. I'm your host, Elon Dabrowski. And with me today is not Brian Com. I've got a special guest for you. It's the prospect prognosticator himself from Dabber Hockey and Dabber Prospects, associate editor Cam Robinson. Welcome to the podcast, Cam. Hey, hey thanks for having me on, Elon. We met you when you were just a patron of Keeping Carlson. and now you've totally blown up. It's very exciting to have you. Like It's even exciting to have you in our patron Facebook group, and now you're going all over on the radio. Hopefully this won't be the last time we have you, but we have you now, so we'll squeeze out as much as we can out of you. Yeah, sounds good. Don't worry. I, I always got time for you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so you have just been on a roller coaster. You were at the NHL draft, which is so crazy. And I want to hear all about it. Like the plan for today's show, obviously, we'll ask about all the different prospects who were drafted. I've also got another few other questions with other players from the last draft for you. But I also obviously just want to hear stories of what it was like at the draft. And plus, you were just telling me now that you're like moving in a few days. Like your life is crazy yeah it's it's wild
1: time for sure I was just saying that uh you know I left the wife with our three year old son to pack up our house while I went down to Dallas for a week there and uh <laughs> and so I bought her something uh, something pretty when we got home to thank her for that but yeah things are things are pretty wild. i'm at uh, my last day at work right now hiding in my office doing a podcast <laughs> and uh i'll say uh, say some goodbyes tonight at the staff party and
0: yeah we're out of Victoria in a couple of days holy cow wow okay so Uh, We'll try to not use too much of your time. But okay, let's mention first that we are presented by DabberHockey.com, which is the website that you are the associate editor of. You've now been writing daily ramblings, which is really cool. So not only do you talk about prospects, but you're talking about all the things going on all around the league. And Dabber Hockey is obviously great for these types of articles and and the tools. It's amazing. I can even let you just talk about these websites. For anyone who's not familiar, I don't understand how you could be listening to this podcast but not be familiar with Dabber Hockey and Dabber Prospects. But if they're not, maybe you could give the quick uh, pitch about that site. Yeah, Dauber Hockey,
1: everything, you know, you need and want for fantasy. Uh, like you are saying, the, the daily ramblings are, are a must read. I, I don't think they've missed one ever. And So uh, there was a Christmas a few years ago that Dauber ran out of power or something like that, but managed to, to sneak in a couple of lines. So they're every single day uh, breaking down everything that's going on and, <clears throat> excuse me, during the off season here, we usually get into some deep dives on, the, you know, some shooting percentages or metrics and and uh, everything that's going on to, to help you with that. And then over at Dauber Prospects, we've really been building a lot the last couple of years, uh, becoming kind of a, a known spot for prospect information, not just fantasy stuff. So I was getting I was getting messages and tweets while I was on the draft floor. A bunch of my blurbs and write-ups uh, were coming across the screen on the NHL network on, on Sportsnet for, as each player got drafted. So it's, it's pretty neat to see Dauber Prospects growing uh, so quickly.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I like your Twitter was definitely really busy, and obviously, Dabber Prospects and they had their own podcast, which we've had Peter Harling and and like those guys on before. Like, it really, it's great. And now's the time to talk prospects, right? Like, that, that's what everyone's talking about at least until July first, and then maybe the focus will shift a little bit to all the exciting free agents and John Tavares and all of that. But for now, you are the biggest thing going, and I'd love to just. Talk to you about, like, like let's go chronologically. and just hear about, like, what your weekend was like at the draft. Then we could get to the picks and talk about the players. But, like, what was it like going to Dallas? Like, uh, like I just want to get the general sense of what's the vibe over there.
1: Sure, yeah, it was pretty cool. I uh, flew out Wednesday morning bright and early and uh, got into town. And I was uh, crashing with uh, Ryan Beach from uh, the Athletic Vancouver and, and Canucks Army. And he you had know, Sportsnet stuff with me as well. And so, uh, Beecher and I, we met up with some guys, Shane Malloy and uh, Ainsley and Peter Harling was down there as well. And we were just having, uh, you know, some dinner and drinks. And of course, you know, right, right across the the way there was uh, the Hunter brothers and Eddie Balfour's just crushing doubles and having a good time. And so you know, that was, a, that was a nice kind of welcome to the thing. And, and Thursday morning was, it was really cool. We had uh, media availability. So with all the players, so, you know, I got to interview uh, about eight or nine of the top prospects there along with all the other major media guys. And, and then there was a big media party, so everyone's drinking and eating on Uncle Gary's dime. And uh, I actually met Gary Bettman for a minute, and uh,
0: and yeah. Did so it was, uh, any, did you give him any suggestions of things he should change in the league? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. I uh, you know, I just just
1: uh, show the boys that I, I shook his hand, anyways. But there is a pretty funny story, and I know uh, Jason Botchford, who's a lead writer for uh, the Canucks of the Province, so He was telling this on his podcast, but it was pretty hilarious. So. You know, uh, Botch and Beach and I are standing around. It's 40 degrees. It's cooking hot. So, like 102 or something down there. And I'm like wearing a tube with my afro, basically, and uh, just sweating. And, and the server comes around and offers us some deviled eggs on a tray. And we're, no thanks. We're, we're good on the deviled eggs in this heat. And so, they put this tray of deviled eggs down and it's sitting there for like half an hour. And we're just like, who would eat these deviled eggs? And uh, this guy Thomas Durant, who used to be, uh, he used to work for Canucks Army, and then got got picked up by the Florida Panthers. And he's like their VP of Communications now. And he walks in there with his you know shirt kind of unbuttoned a little bit, and he's got Sean Thornton on his hip, who's working for the Panthers too, and just comes in. And he's shaking everybody's hands. He's a big shot now, and he walks over to us. He's like, "Boys, oh deviled eggs, gotta get some of those." <laughs> and he just pops one in his mouth, and we just lose it. And he's he's like, "What? Deviled eggs are great." That mayonnaise had surely turned long ago, but uh, yeah, so it was, it was pretty fun. And everybody and anybody who was, uh, you know, down there for Dallas was at that. And That's how I was talking to Steve Coolius, and I jumped on with Sirius XM this morning. So lots of connections
0: made and uh, a lot of fun for sure. That sounds really funny. Hopefully, he didn't get sick from that spoiled <laughs> devil egg. Yeah, Hopefully. Uh- and what about, I'm curious to know, like uh, there was all these rumors about potential trades that would happen and obviously teams potentially trading draft picks and there was this one trade of Carolina and Calgary, which Brian will I dig into on a on a future post- podcast. But like, what, what what's it like in there? Like, are you hearing all these rumors as they're happening? Are people like actually talking? Are these rumors being generated by the people at the draft, like the media people?
1: Oh man, yeah, it was pretty cool to be kind of right ground zero for it all. So I was, I was hearing these rumors before they were out on in the Twitter universe sort of thing, the Twitter sphere there. So Oh, wow. Um, lots of, lots of chatter that, uh, patches, his agent was negotiating a contract extension with LA. So this was happening like Thursday morning. We were hearing about it and it kind of started coming out like late Thursday night on uh, social media. The rumors kind of swirling. And so I won't, uh, I won't name names, but at, uh, you know, around one thirty in the morning after doing a, having a couple of drinks with some of these, these big time insiders, uh, I started asking, I was like, what's the deal? Like, uh, we're hearing patches is, is going to LA and and uh, the guy told me that, no, you know, he's like, I just got off the phone with uh, Rob Blake there about an hour ago. And, and he says, we're focusing on Kovalchuk. We'll talk Pacioretty tomorrow. And of course, as we know, the next, next morning they signed Kovalchuk uh, and Pacioretty didn't get dealt. And so uh, the word is, is that the, his agent kind of kind of blew the negotiation. And so the, the Kings were like, all right, screw it. We'll just pay up the money and, and save the assets and, uh, and sign Kovalchuk. And and so Pacioretty fired his agent immediately and oh, wow. signed up with Alan Walsh. And, and it sounds like he's going to be starting the season in uh, in Montreal now because of it. and He's not too pleased. So that was one of the ones that was kind of floating around there. That was pretty cool.
0: I don't get it. Like, what's the big deal? Like, why can't they just negotiate a new trade now? <laughs> why uh, is it like blown up and it's over? I guess. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, huh? yeah. Chuck?
1: yeah. Yeah. So they're not interested now in bringing him in there at, you know, the cost of assets plus whatever they'd have to pay him for his extension. So they they just you know, spent the money and kept to Foley and whatever else they were going to give and, and they'll, they'll move on. So I guess I'm sure Montreal will be working the phones to find another suitor for Pacioretty, but um, as of right now, he's, he's in Montreal and it's, uh, it's not too close to another deal anyways.
0: Yeah. So we'll see if he and Max Domi will click and, and uh, have uh, some rejuvenation after a really bad downswing last year for Pacioretty. Yeah, that's right. Both on the left wing though. So it's going to be tough for, you know, they, they don't have any sentiment to pass any pucks to sort of things, so, but we'll see. <laughs> They're not putting Max Domi at center? I mean, they can try, but he's not a <laughs> center. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe well, they'll
1: put Kokaniemi in there and they'll just wheel him right in as a 17-year-old.
0: Yeah, exactly. They've, they've drafted him for a reason. Like, that was one of the, I guess, not as much of a surprise at the draft. Like, uh, going into it like a couple weeks ago, like, when you released your draft rankings, like where did you have Kakanyemi? We should probably actually mention you've been dropping these draft rankings and updating them over the past few months. It didn't end up being perfectly accurate. I don't think we can blame you. Like, a lot of teams are doing some crazy stuff
1: yeah for sure in my rankings I always knew that they weren't going to fall in line with how the draft would actually go so I'm not a big mock draft guy I did slide out a mock I, I was on a Calgary station and, and they wanted me to do the top top 10 or 12 so I mocked that one up and I definitely had Cockney and going three to Montreal I thought that was a uh, pretty likely even though speaking with Philip Zadina the day before the draft he seemed pretty confident that he was going to go three and if he, if he didn't that he was going to go four so I know he was a little disappointed to fall to six on draft day but uh yeah, it was there was some definite uh, definite swings there early on. Baird Hayton being the big one at 5.
0: Yeah, okay. So maybe let's start at the beginning and build up to there. I'll be curious to hear what the senses was in the room as these picks were made. But okay, Buffalo goes up, makes the first pick, Rasmus Dalin. No one is surprised at all, but I'd love to just talk to you about, like what do you think Rasmus Dalin's upside is on Buffalo and like one big sort of uh side question to the whole situation with him is like what happens with Rasmus Ristolainen? because people who have Ristolainen in their fantasy leagues, I was really high like before Darlene or before Buffalo I guess won the lottery to get first overall it was looking like maybe next year will finally be the year where Ristalainen will you know really break out like hopefully Eichel could be healthy and they have middle stat and you know like I was thinking that like maybe these Buffalo guys are gonna all like mature and be healthy and be able to play well but now like what do you think is gonna happen with Dalene and Ristalin? like who do you say is going to be the top power play guy at least for next year and also just in general with Darlene like how good is he
1: he's good he's the best uh best teenage defenseman I've ever seen um, I've been doing it for a little while. I'm not one of these cagey old veterans, but uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's ahead of Dowdy and, and headman and obviously Carlson too, who's a little bit behind when he was drafted, but um, oh, wow. he, he's, yeah, he's definitely the most talented offensive defenseman and basically all around kind of defenseman at the same age as, as anyone I've scouted. So his, his upside is tremendous. He, he's got that legitimate, cornerstone franchise defenseman that, you know, might end up popping 70, 75 points or a point a game even in a couple of seasons. So he won't get there next year, obviously, or probably, you know, this second year, but if he went out and got 40 points next season, not, not, not a surprise at all, you know, and and kind of step up from there. Uh, I expect him to take each, each kind of leap as he goes along. Um, with Ristolainen, yeah, it's it's going to hurt his value for sure because I think Dahlen steps in as their top defenseman as an 18 year old next fall, and so they might ease him in a little bit and shelter him a bit, and maybe Ristolainen as the you know quote unquote veteran on that team that he, he might get the first power play unit to start, but there's no holding this kid back, and so mixing up uh, Eichel and Dahlen and Middlestat and uh, you know Reinhardt, these guys are going to kind of grow together. It's going to be pretty impressive in Buffalo. They're going to score a lot of goals, and, and it's going to probably be one of these spots that has been a kind of fantasy dead zone for a little bit, and they're they're going to be on the upswing. So you, you'll probably want to get a piece of them uh, as the years go by here.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. And yeah, like you say, if you want to hold on to Ristolainen maybe for next year, but yeah, there's always that risk now. So his value goes down. But I remember last year, a lot of people were maybe apprehensive to draft someone like like Bear in Philly in their drafts just because it was looking like Provorov was going to come and bump him. Then Bear ended up having this amazing season. So there is the possibility that Ristolainen will fall so far that he will be a bit of a steal, like in one-year leagues. But it sounds like you're saying that like if you're saying that Dalin could get 40 points as a rookie, then obviously the sky's the limit as he actually gets into his 20s and into his prime. There's like no question. Like Dalin for sure makes the team, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: hundred percent. Cool. And and uh, yeah, with Versaline, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, you know, I, I, word around the campfire was that they were, you know, entertaining offers on him at the draft. Um, there was talk that Edmonton might have been dangling that 10th overall pick for him. Or something like that, but if he if he gets moved, you know, in the next year or something like that, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Ristolainen get cashed in for either even like a right shot defenseman, if that worked out for them to kind of even up uh, their sides in Buffalo, or uh, or kind of an impact forward or something like that.
0: Yeah, so yeah, we'll have to watch and see. And like, I guess one thing that Buffalo needs now—they've got a good defenseman. Like you said, they have all these exciting young forwards. Like Sam Reinhardt really came on at the end of last season. The one thing they're missing is a goalie, especially since they didn't re-sign Robin Leonard. So we'll have to see what they do back there. But if they could get someone who could stop the puck, maybe they could be a surprising team next year. At least, not first overall pick in the next year's draft.
1: No, yeah, that's absolutely right. And so, obviously, getting getting a quality net minder. So we we had heard that they weren't going to qualify Laner and just his price tag to qualify him at whatever it would be four point something um, was just not going to happen, and, and that they're pretty pretty content to move on from him despite the the cost of acquisition that they sunk into him just two seasons ago. But it'll be it'll be really interesting because Peter Morazik's in the same boat. But I hear that uh, you know a lot more teams are interested in, in getting him at a cheaper deal than the four million he was making before. Uh, so maybe they look that way. I'm sure they were in on the Grubauer stuff, but couldn't make it happen. So they're definitely going to be interested in in getting a goalie. And if they can get someone who's young and actually has some real upside, uh, that'll be huge for them to stay out of the basement next season and moving forward because their offensive numbers should be climbing quickly.
0: Yeah, I guess that's the thing. Like it's the same like Carolina last year, and we'll get to them in a second. Like It was looking like finally they should be able to score some goals and not be such a bad team, maybe even become a playoff contender. And then they just couldn't get the goaltending. And so they ended up you know, floundering and not doing so well. And they're another team that's going to be looking for a starter. I don't know if they're going to go with Scott Darling. But we know that they will have Andrei Svechnikov, who went second overall. And at this point, still, the draft is going the way everyone expected. I'm sure there were no surprises in the room when Carolina went with Svechnikov. What do you think about him and his upside? And is he also someone that's going to be stepping into the team as early as next season?
1: Yeah, he'll be stepping onto that team next season and probably, you know, maybe he starts out on a, on a second line for for a beat, heartbeat or something like that. But this kid's a top line winger. is going to score a ton of goals in the NHL. Very, very translatable goal, goal scoring ability. So um, if you look at his, his goals and shot charts from the OHL this year, it's, it's historic so it's you know he's putting up his you know more goals per game than you know patty kane steven stamkos Tavares, these guys so he he had the hand injury that uh, that took him out of play for a little bit and then he was at the world juniors playing down the lineup as the russians will do despite your uh, skill level if you're young you don't play up the lineup with them but uh, he he's just a tremendous offensive talent and he's already physically mature so I, I don't think there's really any doubt that he'll be uh, in carolina next season and, you can just kind of imagine a future line with Sebastian Yahoo and Martin Nacash. Uh, that, that's going to be a legitimate first line that's going to be very heavy, very fast, very skilled. Um, so yeah, he, he's a guy that, you know, if I'm picking first overall in my dynasty draft right now, and it's a a points league, or even, you know, it's got shots and hits and things like that, a multi-cat, I'm really thinking I'm going Sveshnikov one, unless there's a bumper on defenseman scoring, or if, uh, you know, it's, it's really hard to get top end defenseman and you can wait a couple years for Darlene to to step up into that 50, 60 point elite level, uh, because Sveshnikov, he's, he's the real deal. He's closer to Darlene is, uh, you know, Skill wise, then anyone's close to him. So versus three, four, five, sort of thing.
0: Okay. So when you're saying that if you had first overall, you would take Svechnikov, you're not talking about like a brand new league just starting. You're talking about like assuming that all the people who are already in the NHL last year have already been drafted, right? Yeah, that's right. Maybe not everybody, but in, you know, if you're looking at a limited keeper and, you know, Kucherov and, and McDavid
1: and these guys aren't on the board, then yeah, if a prospect draft or, or in, a, in, a, in a keeper that has most of the stars taken already, then, then I'm looking Svechnikov one.
0: Wow, interesting. And then you want to give us a projection for next season. Obviously, the thing with Carolina is we don't really even know how their lineup's is going to shake out. Like, they might be trading Jeff Skinner, and I guess now they're probably – or maybe they could trade Justin Falcuno. They, they already brought in Dougie Hamilton, so it's a pretty nice uh, return for them. By the way, if they got Sveshnikov and Hamilton, they trade away Elias Lindholm and Hannifin. I like that overall. Obviously, Sveshnikov wasn't part of the deal. But I guess we'll have to wait and see how things shake out. But assuming that the team is how it is now, and Sveshnikov can play with Sebastian Ajo, which would be really cool on the first line, like, what do you think his upside is for even just like next year? Oh, yeah. Barring injury, uh, you know, I fully expect him to score 30
1: goals next year. Wow. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's that he's that level of talent. So, uh, you know, if he put up a 30-30 season, I wouldn't blink an eye. Sort of thing. So we'll, we'll see. Like you said, deployment's always always king. And so he, if he's getting that top power play unit, which he, he absolutely should on that team, that, uh, yeah, 30 goals, 60 points wouldn't uh, wouldn't phase me in the least.
0: So I guess I was planning on asking you this at the end, but I guess we're, we're pretty much getting rounding into your potential Calder candidates for next year. I'd assume that if Svechikov's going to score 30 goals, he's going to be a candidate. If Rasmus Stalin is going to get 40 points as a defense rookie defenseman, he's going to be a Calder candidate. I know that you love this guy in Vancouver, Elias Pettersson, which we'll, maybe we can talk about him in like in a little bit. Do you think those are the three front runners right now for who will be in the Calder race?
1: this is gonna be a really nice calder class so it, it's hard to handicap it right now so for fantasy wise you know those those guys you just mentioned there it would be you know one two three kind of on my board i'm taking Pedersen first if i'm in a dynasty draft so even ahead of special and dahlene really um, i think that kid's yeah i think he's got triple digit point upside and uh, not a lot of players can say that so his ability to uh you know one shot goal scoring ability plus his tremendous vision soft hands like Pedersen he, he's going to be really really good the thing is is that Vancouver won't be so good next season um, so when when I'm I'm projecting his numbers to be monstrous is that's a few years down the road so if, uh, if Pedersen came in and scored 25 goals and 50 points on um, what's going to be a really crummy Vancouver team I think that's going to be a, a huge win now that might not land him on the on the finalist list for the for the Calder trophy because you know we're looking at Casey Middlestad's going to be there Miro Heiskinen's coming to Dallas and that guy is just a beast on the back end might not be huge uh, for fantasy next season, but in real life, he's, he's a real, real player. Ellie uh, tolvin in So it, it's going to be Martin Nakesh. It's going to be a really nice uh, crop of freshmen next season. So it's hard to know who's going to take it. But uh, definitely Darlene and Svechnikov will be in that mix.
0: Cool. Yeah. Okay. So maybe we'll get to some more of these other guys. I've sort of drifted off a little bit, though. Do I, I, you, you promise that, let's say, if, if Petterson was on Carolina and Svechnikov was on Vancouver, would you still be higher on Petterson?
1: Man, I would. You saw what he did in the SHL against, we're talking grown men in arguably, you know, the third or fourth best league in the world. He dominated it. So um, historic season for for a U-20 kid who was by far and away the best player in Europe this season and, and was named. So um, yeah, I, I really don't think that if you plopped him on a team that's going to be in the playoff picture, or, you know, if you put him in Tampa or something like that and you give him the deployment, I, you know, he could get a point of game next season. This kid's got that level of talent. So it'll take a little bit to get used to the small ice. Um, he's, he's pretty rail thin at 170 pounds. So, you know, getting mature and taking the beating in the NHL might take a, a minute to get used to, but his skill level, his vision, his processing ability is, is, is super, super elite. So um, yeah, take the
0: Jersey off him. I still love him okay i don't mean to question your professionalism cam but i do know that you're a canucks fan so i just had to ask yeah fair enough all right so anyways back to the draft so we had the first two picks we're not surprised then i guess you're saying that the third pick montreal going with Yesperi Kotkoniemi, wasn't a surprise for you just because i guess montreal really needs a center and he was the best center available at the time
1: yeah that's right i like you through kind of like an italian accent on that one
0: yeah that's probably um, completely wrong
1: yeah yeah <laughs>
0: Jesperi <Kotkaniemi>. oh. um. <laughs>
1: Is the joke, uh, did I say yeah, Jesperian Yeah, no, Jesper. Yeah, It was all right. Just, uh, just kind of funny to me. But uh, no, that wasn't that wasn't a big surprise to me. But uh, I did. Uh, we'll get into Hayden a little bit down down the list here. But um, it wasn't a slam dunk that Cauchyamu I mean, was going to be the first pivot off the board. But uh, he was he was the guy from Montreal, and, and they had been linked to him for a few weeks, so that wasn't a surprise to me.
0: And then what do you think about Kotkaniemi? Is he someone who's going to, I guess I'll ask this one, every player that we talk about, do you think he's going to play in the NHL next year? And like, what do you think about his upside both next year and long-term?
1: Yeah, no, I think he's back in Finland next season. I think that's where he should be. Um, I'm, I'm not even sure if he's 18 yet. I think he's got the, a late June or July birth date. So he, he's just a 17-year-old. Uh, he's got to work on his, his skating. His strides a little bit clunky still. Uh, he moves around the ice, you know, fine, but he, he's got to generate some more power, especially if he wants to come up and thrive in the NHL. So him going third overall shouldn't be overly indicative of his, his high end offensive potential. So um, in my mind, he's more of a second line center down the line. You know, I, I know, I don't want to put ceilings on these kids at, at their age, especially as a younger uh, draft eligible. So, you know, maybe he continues to develop and, and can be a top line pivot one day, but I think he's kind of a, a safe, definitely safe middle six guy with you know second line upside. And then if things break right, maybe he could be a complimentary first line guy, but I don't think he's in the NHL next season. I think he's probably knocking on the door the, the year after that. And, uh, you know, he'll be fancy relevant for maybe 2020, 2021 sort of thing. But I, I think he's more of this kind of all
0: around 60 point guy, um, which carries some
1: value in some leagues, but isn't going to be that elite
0: offensive producer. Right. So you're saying people shouldn't be rushing for him in their dynasty leagues, but he'll be potentially a solid guy. And obviously it'll depend on who Montreal has for him to play with. If you're saying that he's not going to be on the team next year, and if they don't get another center and if they have Druin and I guess then Philip Dano or whoever, as their uh, top two centers, maybe uh, Montreal will have Jack Hughes also in the mix. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that would be nice for him. Next season does have a lot of good center prospects.
1: So Yeah, yeah, they'll get someone next year, probably too, if they're at the basement.
0: Yeah, I'm sure the Sens will also give the Habs a run for the money. though the Sens won't even get, even if the Sens come in last, they won't even get the first overall pick. So yeah, that would be, we'll... how... <laughs> I don't want to uh, make Sens fans sad, but how funny would it be if next summer Colorado gets first overall and then Matt Shane and Eric Carlson both walk in unrestricted free agency? Oh, know, maybe? Just <laughs> maybe just terrible. My word. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's right. Sad, just, just sad.
0: Yeah. All right, well, let's, let's go back to happier things. Well, actually, no, I'm on the Sends. What am I talking about? I had this perfect segue, and then I ruined it. But the Sends go up. I really thought, and I'd be curious to know what the, what the vibe was in the room. I really thought the Sends were going to go with Zadina. And the, is that how you pronounce it, or is it Zadina? No, Zadina, yeah. Zadina, ah, rhymes with my wife's name. But uh, yeah, I thought the Sens were going go to go Sadina and they surprised me. They go with Kachuk, who I heard you on, I think it was a Sportsnet podcast talking about how you really hope the Canucks don't take Kachuk. And then he ends up going a bunch of picks earlier. So I'm assuming you're not going to think that was a smart pick for the Sens or I don't know. What do you think?
1: No, I, uh, like I was saying, I did that mock on the Calgary Sportsnet station and I, I picked Kachuk to Ottawa, I thought they were going to pass on Zadina as well, just from kind of the rumblings that were going on. I wrote a whole article about why Ottawa should trade that pick to Colorado. They should have given fourth overall this year and kept their 2019 pick, been in the basement and hope for Jack Hughes. So obviously the lottery is something that you can't um, really lean on because they can go any which way you get like what an 18% chance, even if you're in the basement. But I, I, I wouldn't bet on any other team being last next season and so in that case, you've got an 18% chance at Jack Hughes and worst case scenario, you're picking fourth next year. Um, now, of course, that sends a terrible message to the guys in the room saying like, hey, we're we're going to be worse than we were last year. We're betting against you guys. But <laughs> I think you just need to be realistic. So I did have a caveat that, you know, if Philip Zadina is sitting there at four, maybe you consider taking Zadina and you, you know you keep your pick and you give up next year's pick and you try to end up sixth last and hope that the lottery balls bump you down and Colorado only gets like eight or nine. Uh, but they went with Kachuk, which for my money was, you know, not not what they're going to need to do to to succeed. So you know, there was word that he was going to go. Well, he announced that he was going to go back to BU for a sophomore season. Uh, then their coach got uh, hired by the Rangers, and that's kind of muddied things a little bit. And so he was going to talk with the team that drafted him and, and you know see what they wanted him to do. So maybe he's in Ottawa to start the year next year. He's not going to be a player that's going to move the needle enough for the next season to get out of the basement, anyway. So uh, I think Kachuk's going to be a good pro he's going to be one of these guys that teams are going to hate to play against. He's heavy. He, he, you know, he can agitate, he hits hard. He's got pretty soft hands down low, but you know, the guy scored eight goals in the NCAA last season and and that's not so hot. So um, I I don't like the pick for them in that spot. I think he's going to be in a vacuum. I think he's going to be a good addition to their organization, but they definitely left some skill on the
0: board. And what do you think about like long-term fantasy upside for Brady Kachuk? Is he like a 50 point guy, 60 point guy? Yeah. So, you know, he, I think he's going to be one of these guys that can maybe
1: score 25 goals and then 60 points and put up a hundred pims and, uh, you know, agitate and play like his brother uh, at the same age, though, his brother was a better offensive player. And, and I think he obviously Matthew stepped into a better spot in Calgary too. But, uh, I think, I think Matthew has the higher offensive upside and, and Brady's probably got a little more sandpaper sort of thing. So in those multi-cat leagues, he'll have some value, but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be expecting him to be a 70 plus point guy.
0: Okay. So interesting, at least for the people in bangers and match leagues, you get something and maybe he'll at least be fantasy relevant for points only formats. It's interesting. You're talking about how the Sens maybe could have like traded the pick or done something like, why does it never happen? Like, why is it that before the player is taken, you like, it's always talked about and it happens all the time. People are trading picks. Once the player is taken, it never happens. Like the day after the draft, the person trade, a team trades the player that they just picked. Like, what's the difference? Yeah, it's a good question.
1: It happens in the NBA. It seems like a lot, but, um, what we don't see it in the NHL. I'm not really sure. I think, I think once you kind of put your flag in the ground on a guy and you, you, you talk to every GM afterwards and they always say like, we got our guy, you know, we, we right. hit every, we hit every round. We got everybody we wanted, which is, you know, mostly I'm full of it, but, uh, uh, or, you know, maybe everyone's excited the day after, after the draft that they feel like they, they killed it. So, um, And these young assets are are worth something, especially when they're cost controlled. So yeah, I'm not really sure why it doesn't happen in the NHL though.
0: Yeah, I guess it actually does make a little bit of sense just because these are actually human beings and maybe it's not (laughs) such a nice feeling to get drafted and then the next day get traded. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It means the other team wants you. So what's the difference? Exactly, right? (laughs) All right. So then we had Arizona taking Barrett Hayton and obviously everyone thought, or I thought they were going to take Zadina there and they went with Hayton. Like he was way down in your draft rankings. I was like, I was curious to see how far he was. I think it was 18th in your, in the last rankings. And then he ends up going fifth overall to the coyotes. Did the coyotes make a huge blunder here or are they brilliant geniuses?
1: Yeah, I guess uh, we'll let time tell, but uh, that was definitely, there was kind of an audible gasp on the draft floor when, when Barrett Hayton got called and, it was pretty funny talking to Quinn Hughes, who went seven to Vancouver, and he was, he was saying, You know, they were like, "When did you think you were going to go?" And he's like, "Oh, nobody saw Hayden going five, and that and that kind of threw everything off a little bit." But um, you know, talking to some of these GMs around the draft floor, and and we we talked to Jim Banning, and it really sounded like a lot of teams were very very high on Barrett Hayden. So uh, Arizona loved him. So their GM John has said that he was obsessed with Barrett Hayden this year. He watched every shift this kid had, loved everything he saw. Just sees that you know, a really bright future and and a lot of growth that can come. Uh, Apparently Vancouver really liked him. If he was there at seven, he might've gone. And Chicago was desperately trying to trade up to jump in front of, you know, Arizona or whoever else to get him as well. So Arizona had looked to trade back a few spots and still get their guy. And when they found out that, you know, Vancouver liked him at seven, Chicago liked him at eight, and we're trying to move up actively to get him themselves that they just decided, you know, screw it. We're going to sit at five. We're going to take our guy and we're going to be happy about it. So, um, again, in a class where there's not a lot of centers and we saw, you know, the next center went at 18 and that was a huge reach too, um, that uh, they're hard to, they're hard to acquire in, in the NHL to get a, an offensive center. And so, you know, Barrett Hayden, he went five. He reminds me a lot of bull Horvat. Um, Horvat's done a lot of work to improve his offensive game and his speed. So that'll be what Hayden will have to do too, if he wants to become a legitimate uh, number one center. But I, I project him being a similar kind of player um, as Cockney. I mean, so, He's going back to, to the Greyhounds next season in the Sault Ste. Marie, and uh, he'll be on another good team. So Morgan Frost should be back there. Uh, Rasmus Sandin will probably be back there. And so he'll he'll have his role elevated, and he'll probably put up you know 80 or 90 points in the O. Um, and then, who knows, maybe another season in the OHL, if he's not quite ready yet. Arizona will kind of slowly marinate him because they have a lot of center depth. Uh, but a second-line center that can play all sorts of minutes for you, kill penalties, play on the power play, a really valuable real-life player, but maybe not that high-end fantasy guy.
0: Right. Okay. And Arizona, we know, definitely likes to take their time before they become a contender, though. I I like their chances next year to be better. They had that great end of the season. They got Alex Galchenyuk now. I guess now that they have another center, you're right. They've got like on the depth chart, Stepan, Galchenyuk, if they decide to play him at center, like Dylan Strome, Christian Dvorak. But I guess they could always put some of these people on the wing if they want or, or make a trade. I guess you can't have too many good centers.
1: No, that's right. That's a good problem to have. Clayton Keller, you know, that kid was drafted as a center, too. And I still think Mm -hmm. in the right situation, he could be an elite center. But, you know, to put him on the wing and have him kind of free of that defensive responsibility and can fly the zone a little bit is probably going to work well for him. He can kind of play a Patrick Kane-like role. So insulating him with these, these good young centers will be great for Keller, too
0: okay so once hayton gets taken finally philip zadina goes off the board to the detroit red wings and i've been reading on roto world that they're saying he's gonna get a chance to make the team next year what kind of upside are you seeing for zadina are we talking close to svechnikov or i guess you said Svechnikov's a lot closer to dalin than everyone else is to svechnikov so that must mean zadina is a a couple steps back
1: yeah so i really like philip zadina though the kid's an electric goal scorer he's got Great moves, great hands. He's just deadly from the circles and the hash marks in sort of thing. So um, I, I figure, you know, he'll get a chance in Detroit. And I, I, I really expect him to be in in Detroit next season now. Uh, The Mooseheads are hosting the Memorial Cup. So if he plays, you know, a handful of games and it's, you know, he's maybe a step behind, although his skating is is really strong already. But if just for whatever reason, he's not quite ready yet to send him back to Halifax to go play in the Mem Cup wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him. But uh, no, I expect him to be in the NHL, you know, 20, 25 goals. uh, You put him in the right spot. He doesn't have a a ton of offensive players to work with. Um, So he's uh, a left shot right winger. So he's going to, he's going to fit okay there in, in Detroit, but not, you won't have that dynamic kind of center to to play with and really dish him the puck right away. But uh, I expect him to put up some, some good numbers next season. And then long-term he's got, you know, he's got 40 goal upside.
0: Oh, wow. That's huge. And I mean, I guess potentially, I guess it depends how they work it out, right? Like Dylan Larkin and Anthony Mantha, theoretically, you could have Larkin at center and then Mantha and Zadina on the wing. Though I think I read also that they might try him with Zetterberg, but I don't know where these rumors even come from. I don't know how these journalists even know who the coaches are going to be playing players with unless they just talk to them. And even the coaches are probably going to try out a bunch of things at training camp
1: totally yeah they'll 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 mix everything up but mantha's the exact same thing so he's a left shot right winger as well so it's unlikely that they're both going to play on the same line him and zadina um unless one guy moves over to his his what you quote unquote normal side as as a left shot guy on the left wing but having these snipers be able to come down their off wing and have their stick on the middle of the ice and just let it rip is really beneficial so Um, They're probably playing on different lines, but so Mantle long-term will be their second line left winger and Zadino will be their first line. He's, he's definitely the kind of clear elite talent.
0: And then since we're on Detroit, Tyler Bertuzzi came in last season and made kind of a a little bit of a splash fantasy wise. There was a stretch where he was doing some things like, do you see him as uh, like having some fantasy value next year? Um, I mean, he's he, not overly, no. Um,
1: I think, okay, he's, he's, yeah, he, he's one of these guys that can, can kind of stuff the the score sheet a little bit, your, your categories. So a couple of years ago, he put up like 140 pims in the AHL and and had a monster playoff run the year afterwards over a point of game sort of thing. So I, I think he's got, you know, 50 point upside and can, you know, maybe bang off like 80 pims or something like that and, and some shots and, and play a heavy role. Um, and he plays on the left side, so maybe he's one of these guys that gets the the plum job across from Zadina or Manta in the top six and and can help out that way. He's kind of more of a gritty player than a pure offensive guy, but I think he's someone who can contribute, but not one that you're you're looking to actively kind of rope in there.
0: Okay, yeah, I just kind of threw that one. What a pro, Cam Robinson. I didn't even tell you that I was going to ask you about Bertuzzi. It just came to my mind. You got an answer right there for me. Uh, okay, so now we're finally at your home team, Vancouver Canucks. I know for sure from listening to your other interviews, you were very happy that they got Quinn Hughes at seven.
1: Yeah, that's a home run pick for them. So he was three on my board ahead of Zadina uh, since, I don't know, early in the new year, January, February something like that. So uh, this kid's skating ability is second to none in this, in this class. So he's an elite, elite skater has tremendous edge work. Uh, creative he's confident he plays the game with kind of reckless abandonment a little bit but it's it's uh it's just because he's going a mile a minute so he flies out of the out of the defensive z- uh, zone with the puck on his stick he makes a couple of shifty moves he's through the neutral zone creating problems for defenders and their gaps and he gains entry into the offensive zone so he does that at five on five and he, he definitely does that on the power play which is huge for setting up a, a top power play unit so the Canucks haven't had a player like this Arguably ever, Uh, you know, Yurke Lume back in the 90s used to kind of do a similar thing, but um, Hughes is going to be massive for the Canucks' top power play unit moving forward so that he can get the puck up ice, gain the zone and start distributing for, you know, Besser or Pedersen to be ripping one timers on either side. So he's going to be very, very important to them. And uh, there's a strong chance that he's in the NHL next season.
0: Well, and if he's in the NHL next season, it's not like unthinkable that he could climb his way up the depth chart and maybe get on that power play. Like last year, it was Alex Edler getting most of the top power play time. And after him, you know, who do you have? I guess there's Pouliot. I saw they might resign him. Then, like, I guess Tanev and Ben Hutton and Michael Delzato. And, like, by the way, I should point out, though, Edler was kind of a sneaky surprise in fantasy, especially in the bangers and match loops because he hit, he blocked, and he put up like a 40 point pace, 34 points in 70 games. But I'd imagine it won't be too hard. For Hughes to surpass Alex Edler at some point, considering Edler's already thirty-two years old. Yeah,
1: so next season I fully expect Edler will still be that top guy on the power play. They they love Edler. He and he is very very steady on the top unit. Nothing nothing crazy, but he can move the puck. He's got a good shot. Um, he's their best defenseman. So. Um, but you're right. If Hughes makes a team and, and as the season progresses, I, I wouldn't be overly surprised if he started getting some sniffs on that top unit and the very least see some, some second unit time, but, um, you know, his, his value won't be shown next year. Uh, if he is in the NHL, there's a, there's a, you know, an equally likely chance that he goes back to Michigan for one more season, finishes his year and then jumps right into the NHL in March, uh, similar to what Charlie McAvoy mm. did there. And, uh, and then kind of has that opportunity. So he's, he's not a, he's a small guy at five ten, 170 pounds, but his game isn't predicated on strength. It's predicated on speed. So he'll go back. If he does go back, you know, he'll have all week to, to live in the weight room and and play his games on the weekend, but he's not ever going to be playing at 200 pounds. So I don't think that the strength is going to be an issue for him. I think the more likely reason is if he does go back to Michigan, it's because his brother, Jack, um, projected first overall there, will will have got through his high school courses in time to to go to Michigan himself as a freshman and the two can play together. But um, I, I really think it's probably likely Hughes is in Vancouver and, and long-term he's got big, big upside, you know, to be a 50-plus point uh, defenseman.
0: Cool. Hey, if he joins the team in March, you could join them for their big cup run that they're going to go on <laughs> next year, which I know you're projecting.
1: Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so, okay, that's uh, Quinn Hughes, and I, do, I don't I do want to say again, Alex Edler, actually, the, the thing with Edler is he's a bit injury-prone, right? So there might even be a chance that he doesn't have to surpass Edler, at least for some games. I'm not sure, like, who do the Canucks see as their top defenseman? I guess you must know, like, aside from Edler and forgetting about Hughes, like, before they drafted him, who did they see as the top defenseman in their depth chart? Is it Hutton?
1: Oh, no. So, outside of Edler? Yeah. yeah. yeah so Tanev is their, their all-around kind of best defensive defenseman Edler is their best offensive guy although Derek Puglia put up the best metrics last season in a limited role uh, they just re-signed him to a one-year deal with like one 1.1 1. 1. 1 or something like this um Troy Setcher on the right side a smaller oh, yeah. guy he, he plays an offensive game uh didn't had a, had a pretty tough season last year but you know who didn't on Vancouver um Brock so Besser, they, Brock Besser you're, yeah yeah that's right he, he, he's a beast um, but, you know, these guys are, are kind of these middling secondary guys, sort of thing. Only Lee Levy's coming, going to be another guy that's probably, you know, more of a second power play unit guy. So, so Landing Hughes is, is massive for the
0: organization cool okay so i guess we won't go through every single pick in the draft but i want to do a few more of the players who i had actually heard of and that you were talking about before the draft started so we have adam Boakvist going to the chicago blackhawks another defenseman that i guess people were curious who was going to be the next defenseman off the board after Delhi, and it was going to be either hughes or Boakvist. i guess you weren't surprised that it was hughes first and Bokvist next
1: uh i was a little surprised that no dobson didn't get grabbed i actually really projected uh oliver wallstrom to go to chicago i thought that made a lot of sense so just a to a volume shooting, goal scoring, powerful winger. They like to draft Americans there in Chicago, but uh, they passed on him and they went with Boquist who, you know, right shot guy, really great skater, creates offense, um, you know, has, has some blemishes in his own end, but he's a very young player. So I think he was just like a week away from being eligible for the 2019 class. Uh, so he's got a lot of room to grow. Um, he'll, he'll be a couple years away though, but his upside is huge. So uh, I expect him to be in the SHL next season, probably playing with Breenis there and maybe even one more in the SHL before crossing over and joining Chicago. Um, so he, he's got a, he's got a bit of a path to, to take before he makes it there, but he definitely projects as one of these guys that if developmentally things go as planned, that he, he should be on a top power play unit and creating a lot of offense down there.
0: Okay, cool. So this is a bit of a long-term project with a lot of upside, and definitely going to Chicago. There's going to be an opening there. Like Duncan Keith already really slipped last year. He was even losing top power play time at times to guys like Cody Franzen and then Jordan Osterley at some point. So yeah, in a couple of years from now, I don't think that it's going to be too hard for him to bump guys like Duncan Keith or Brent Seabrook and get a really significant chance to play on the top unit. Of course, who knows like what players he'll have to play with him? I guess Patrick Kane's still going to be there for a while, yeah, but yeah, at some Kane's point, not going
1: anyway. yeah, yeah. Okay, I did. I did. Sorry, I did say um, someone was asking me there that uh, the dark horse to watch this year would be Gustav Forsling in in Chicago. So um, another right shot defenseman, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Swedish, lots of skill. Actually came from Vancouver there in a terrible trade where they gave him up for uh, Adam Clendenning. Uh So Gustav Forsling, he's he's a real player. And he's got a lot of vision, some good puck skills, uh, walks the line pretty well, and and did get a sniff of some power play time early in the season before he spent the rest of the year in the AHL. So uh, watch out for him in camp. He, he might be nipping at Key's heels uh, sometime this season too.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay, so we got a potential sleeper to watch out for in Gustav Forsling over in Chicago. They'll definitely be an interesting team to watch. I wonder if they're going to make any moves. That Brandon Saad trade from last summer sure didn't look very good by the end of the year with how things went and also with how amazing Panarin was. Though I guess you can't really blame too much on players in Chicago because once Corey Crawford went down, like, you know, like they didn't have a goaltender who could stop the puck. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so then after Bogvist, then we have Vitali Kravtsov. Okay, I just want to talk about so Kravtsov, Bouchard, who went to Edmonton, Wallstrom, who we already brought up, and Noah Dobson. And then after that, I'll just like leave it to you. But let's talk about those guys, especially actually the, the last two other ones I'm interested in. I don't really know much about Vitali Kravtsov. He goes to the New York Rangers. Is he someone that people should watch out for, a right winger?
1: Yeah, he's a player for sure, He went a little bit earlier than I would. Again, you know, passing on Oliver Wallstrom, I think the Rangers might regret that. And I think Wallstrom uh, said that they'll regret it too, especially because mm-hmm. he landed in the aisle. Um, but uh, Krasov, he's a big, powerful winger, a nice, soft, hands down low, kind of that JVR style where he gets in tight and can get the puck up and under the bar in a hurry. Um, played limited minutes in the KHL as a 17 year old during the regular season, then just exploded for just a great playoff run. I think he, he broke the KHL record for, for U 19 players in, in the KHL. So he, he was like, he was scoring every, every game for the first two rounds. So uh, that really jumped him up many, uh, many people's draft boards. Uh, he was, I forget where I landed uh, finally on my board, but 13 or 14 or something like that. So going nine wasn't too crazy. Uh, but yeah, he, he's a player who, you know, isn't going to be a huge uh, overall point getter. I don't expect him to get a ton of assists, but uh, he's gonna be a goal scorer. So he he's got kind of, you know, expect that kind of 30, 20, maybe maybe he gets to 35 goals one year and then 65 points sort of thing. But uh, he's an interesting player anyway. So he, he's one that uh, yes he's a little bit uh, he's a little bit older for this class. He's 99 birthday. Um so you you can see that he's he's a little developmentally further along. It is expected that he'll back uh, he'll be back in tractor next season playing in the KHL and then uh, and then his contract runs up and he'll probably try to cross the pond for 2019-20.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, and the Rangers are interesting in general. Like, it's hard to tell if they're going to be a team that's going for, like, trying to make the playoffs or if they're in a rebuild because they were apparently going after Kovalchuk. They didn't end up getting him. Like, uh, what do you, you think is going to happen with the, with the Rangers next year? Like, they have some good players. Like, you can see if things bounce right. Like, Zabanajad, Kreider, like, Zuccarello, Vucinevic is maybe with a new coach he'll be... Like appreciated more, and Meslikov had that great run last year. And then they have Shattenkirk, who was injured for a lot of last year. But like they paid a lot of money to bring Shattenkirk in. Like I could see them being good. Obviously, we need Lungfist to bounce back a little bit. But I just, yeah, I know it's not a fantasy question or a prospects question. I'm curious, to know what are your general thoughts on the Rangers? Yeah, I think they're going young,
1: and uh, they're going to go speed and puck position. Um, that's what their new coach there, Quinn, he he likes that. He, you know, coming out of BU, he. he He likes working with young kids. And so you're right. I think, you know, a guy like Bouchnevis is going to be very happy to get out from underneath Elaine Vigneault's doghouse roof. Um, So uh, the the shackles will come off a couple of these kids. I don't expect them to be a good team. You know, Henrik Lundqvist, he's still a terrific goaltender, and he's going to kind of be the backbone on that team. So you never know. He might be able to to really drag them through. But I expect they're going to be uh, kind of in a a team in transition for the next couple of years as they stockpile picks. You know, Leas Anderson's coming. uh, Philip Hedl's coming. So they they got some nice young pieces. Uh, they're, they're, they're doing the, they're doing the turnaround in the right way. So they're loading up with draft and, 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 uh, and young players and, and in a couple of years, they should be all right.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting. And then for next year, what do you think about someone like Buchnevich? Do you think he'll finally break out? And this will be the year where everyone really takes notice about him. Like he had stretches where he was getting points all the time, but then he would slow down again and get bumped down the depth chart. He ended up with only 43 points last year in 74 games. Do You think he could finally break 50 next year? yeah for sure i think deployment wise
1: if you put them on your top line your top power plane and kind of forgive some of the some of the effort on the defensive end uh you know I, I similar to galchenyuk like let's prop these guys up for what they're good at and not tear them down for what they're bad at And so it's tough when you're an nhl player and you're expected to be responsible in all three zones and and do all these things but you know guys that can put up points that's what, what that's what wins hockey games so uh which has a lot of talent so I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's kind of coddled a little bit more than he has been in the past and ends up breaking, uh, you know, 55 points sort of thing, even too. He's got a lot of skill. He's a player to watch.
0: That's cool. And like Zibanejad also, I'd love to see what he can do if he's first of all healthy for a full season. And if he gets to stick with a line that works, like maybe with Bucinievich and like Chris Kreider, who also I guess needs to stay healthy. I'd be interested to see what his upside will be.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They've got, they've got some interesting players for sure.
0: Okay, so then Edmonton gets Bouchard, who's a defenseman, and Edmonton desperately needs a defenseman. I know they got their cornerstone guy in Adam Larson in that brilliant trade a couple of years ago, but you can never have too many good defensemen, right?
1: No, for sure. So I think Bouchard is a nice fit at 10. Another one that I kind of nailed on my mock, I think I went like 6 out of 10 in the right spot there, which is for this year is not half bad. Um, So I like him at 10. He's a big right shot guy who's got a heavy, heavy shot. Um, he uses it with frequency, gets it through the net. And, you know, I think it's like, damn near 300 shots on goal this year, like 87 points in, in the OHL, which is huge for defensemen. Um, he's more physically mature. So he's also a 99 birthday. So he, he's one of these guys that he needs to quicken up his feet, his pace of play. Uh, some of that can be attributed to him playing 35 minutes a night on a, on a down London night squad this season where everything ran through him. So, but that's still, that's a habit that's going to have to get broken, that he's going to have to shorter shifts, get those feet moving. Um, his skating isn't tremendous. It's fine, uh, but he's never going to have kind of blow away speed sort of thing. So, uh, but if uh, you line him up on a top power play unit and let him bombs away, he's going to either draw coverage. And so you can move the puck over to one of these other guys to, to create openings. Or if, you know, guys are doubling down on McDavid or something like that to hit him back at the point and just let him hammer him home. So he's a guy that's got some, some really big upside, especially in, in Edmonton and you know, he might be in the NHL next season in a sheltered role, but in two, three years, he, he could be a staple in that top unit and could be a real player.
0: Yeah, well, speaking of bombs away, Oscar Clefbaum was the top power play defenseman for most of the year last year and was kind of disappointing. Do you think like this is a spot that's ripe for the picking for Evan Bouchard to jump in as the top power play defenseman if maybe not next year the year after? <laughs> yeah, maybe the year after. It's always hard to project these kids coming, you know, from the
1: draft floor and onto a top power play unit unless they're really elite guys. So they're going to have deficiencies in their game that when they go up into the NHL, it's going to be exploited and and exposed a little further. And that's going to, you know, it's going to be tough for the coaches to really do that. So it takes some progressive thinking to, to play a guy 10 minutes a night and four of them are on the top power play unit to really hone in on his strengths. So we want them to kind of develop their whole all around game before giving them that top role. And that usually lands to the veterans. So Andre Sequeira is going to be healthy. That's going to be big for their top unit. Um, so I, I probably expect them to, to roll around some of those veterans again before Bouchard really gets a look. He's, there's a chance he's back in London too, so we'll see it in training camp how, how quick he's looking and if he's ready to go. But yeah, I'm, I'm projecting you know three, four years down the road when McDavid's still in his prime and dry side on these guys and Bouchard's kind of 21, 22, and, and that's when he'll be really uh, effective and, and some of the fancy players will, will target
0: well, yeah, definitely if Edmonton, if he's like the one that's the top offensive guy there, then he's going to be someone that everyone is looking at just because he's on the top unit, like you say, with like McDavid and Dreisaitl and whoever else is lucky enough to be there. Can I throw yeah. a really random name at you just because we're on Edmonton? And I remember last year after Clefbaum got shut down, Ethan Baer ended up getting really good deployment for like a few games. At least I saw him on the top power play. Is he anybody or is that like never going to happen again?
1: Yeah, no, Ethan Bear, he, he, he's a he's a pretty he's a pretty good offensive player. I remember I, I watched him quite a bit when he was in Seattle and uh, the WHL there, and he was over a point a game as a defenseman for, you know, I think two years, his last two years of junior, he just put up some big, big point total. So uh, Bear's interesting, another right shot guy, a little bit undersized, well, under six foot anyways, but kind of a thick kid, if I recall correctly. Um, I don't think he's in the NHL this season. I think he should be back in Bakersfield playing in the AHL. Um, It's not like he has a ton of experience down there anyway. So I think he'll probably be, you know, getting some cups of coffee like he did last year, if there's injuries or something like that. But he's an interesting one where he's this type of guy that, you know, if he's in the NHL and he, and he's being utilized in a proper role, then that means he's getting sheltered minutes, offensive zone, start times. He's seeing power play time. He, you know, he's getting opportunities to thrive because that's the type of player he is. So if he gets those things, he's going to be valuable in fantasy. If he doesn't, he's getting buried and he's not succeeding. And, you know, we'll see where he ends up. He might end up in Europe sort of thing. But he's one to watch, but I expect him to be in the AHL next season.
0: Oh, okay. Well, if he's in the NHL, then we don't even have to worry about him. If he's in the NHL, then maybe he could be someone to just add to the watch list just in case he gets a good deployment, especially if someone like Clefbaum gets hurt again. But okay, then let's finish with just going through the list with a team that I think a lot of people are saying were the winners of the draft, or at least the winners of the first round. The Islanders must have been very happy to get Wallstrom and Dobson at 11 and 12. I mean, of course, I mean the Canucks were the uh, like clear winners of the draft. But aside from them, the pretty good haul for the Islanders with two picks outside of the top 10.
1: Oh man, they they killed it. So I, I had Wallstrom and Dobson five six on my board, and they could have gone, you know, five six or four five even, and no one would have blinked an eye. So for them to pull those guys, peel them outside of the top ten at eleven twelve, was just massive. So uh, they definitely you know stole the show there in round one, getting those guys. So I expect both of them to uh, go back to their respective squads. So Wallstrom's going to go to university, and uh, and Dobson's going to head back to the Acadia Bathurst and the QMJHL, and then. You know, both of them could be stepping into the lineup for nineteen twenty, and, and they they projected some high end players. So Wallstrom is basically Brock Besser. So if you if you want to comparable nice. there, so he he's got as good a shot at the same age, maybe even better at the same age. Um, he's a bigger guy than than Besser too. He's he's a really talented offensive player, and, and wingers have had their value kind of dip a little bit in the last couple of years on draft day, and, and he's subject to that, and that's why he was there at eleven. But you know, come fantasy hockey. He, he's this guy who's another one who's got 40 goal upside and, and is really going to make some, some teams uh, regret passing on him when, when they're not scoring any goals and he's scoring all of them. So he, he's going to be a player to watch for sure. Noah Dobson is kind of this all around defenseman who's got a really nice shot himself, tremendous skater, projectable size. So he's six foot three, he's only 170, 175 pounds. So he's got about you know, 20 pounds of muscle that it's going to get locked onto him in the next couple of years. And he's going to be a horse. So I've long compared him to uh, Alex Pietrangelo that's the type of player he is, uh, play all situations, you know, can play 25, 30 minutes a night on your top unit on your penalty kill and do everything for you. And, and you know, maybe he's got 50 plus, uh, point upside too, like uh, Pietrangelo does, but you know, or maybe he ends up in that 40, 45 point range, depending on how development goes. But, uh, for real life value, they crushed it. And then for fantasy, uh, Wallstrom, I think is, you know, he's probably coming off number four on my board on, on fantasy day on, on draft day sort of thing. So he, he's definitely going to kick his real life draft spot.
0: Okay. So when you say he's coming for, we've got Dallin, we've got Svechnikov. who's three. Yeah. So he probably goes to Dina, then Wallstrom. Right. Yeah. Well, and Hey, if you're saying that Wallstrom is Brock Besser, then Brock Besser plays with Bo Horvat, who is solid. And like, I'd be happy to get him in my fantasy league. But, uh, you know, if Wallstrom is going to be playing with someone like Barzell or, you know, fingers crossed for Islanders fans, John Tavares, then that would be huge.
1: Yeah, that was the first thing I tweeted out is, is just the Metro division getting to face Wallstrom and, or uh, Barzell passing the puck to Wallstrom for the next decade. Like, watch out. So um, that projects as a deadly duo. Uh, and so somehow Matt Barzell's uh, fantasy stock rose even a little bit further after, after they drafted
0: Wallstrom. That's amazing. Yeah. Cause I guess Eberly is a solid right winger to play with, but who knows how long he'll stay there. And like, if he'll be able to stay well, good. And like Wallstrom, a great guy to step in, in a couple of years to take that spot. I wonder if it turns out that John Tavares signs with the Islanders. I wonder if these two draft picks, I wonder like how much it will turn out that they came into play in his decision-making.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, few teams have ever had such a, a PR turnaround at the very least in in such a short amount of time. So grabbing Lou Lamorello, getting Barry Trots, having these two draft picks just fall into their lap. Um, so I, I saw a pretty funny tweet there, uh, something to the effect of, you know, John Tavares is like that guy in Vegas at a bachelor party. Um, and his fiance is at home that everyone's pretty sure the wedding's still going to happen, but there's a mm-hmm. chance he falls in love with a stripper and runs off forever. So, um, I think, I think the, the safe money is that he's going to end up back in the aisle. Um, but you never know with some of these monster offers that are coming, but uh, they're, they're still, they're, they're pretty fortunate to have a kid like Barzell, It's just a, a top line center waiting in the wings to replace him if, if they need to.
0: Right, yeah. Though obviously having two is better than one. According to my coworker in Toronto, the Tavares is going to the Leafs and it's a done deal. So yeah. it's not even yeah. worth discussing. <laughs> so, yeah. And then I guess with Dobson, like I've actually been pretty high on Ryan Pulak. He had a kind of an underrated year last year. He didn't bump Letty from the top power play, but even on the second power play, he ended up with 32 points in 68 games and really came on strong at the end of the year. Do you think that... Pulock and dobson will be the two like competing for that top spot in terms of production or maybe if you're saying that dobson is like a petrangelo then maybe Pulock is the shattenkirk back in the old school st louis days yeah Pulock's not
1: that type of player i wouldn't say like shattenkirk he's kind of a bombs away guy himself but he's got the big shot um I like Ryan Pulak. I've liked him for a couple of years. It seems like he he's always found his way onto my fantasy team for, for a cup of coffee. And then, you know, he gets injured or he gets sent back down to the AHL. So, it was nice to see him, you know, flirt with a half point a game last season.
0: To be fair, by the way, Cam, your fantasy team is like, that's a hard team to crack. You have like all all (laughs) all-stars all throughout your team.
1: Yeah. I worked hard for that, but you're right. Uh, But it's always looking for that next guy though, too. So he's an interesting one. You know, he's a big guy. He's very strong, got a big, big shot, loves to score goals. He's been pumping them in the AHL for for several years now. Um, So if you're, you know, he needs to, he needs to knock Nick Letty off off his pedestal there and, and take the top unit away. And then, you know, he's a guy that could get 45 points for sure next season, but uh, it'd be interesting. Both right-shot guys, Evan Dobson or Noah Dobson, I should say is, uh, is like a really all around impressive player. So, you know, when he gets to be 22 years old, I don't think it's really going to be much competition for who's going to be on that
0: top. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess, uh, you know, like the Islanders will hopefully just have a couple of good defensemen or a few good defensemen, and they'll be off and running and being successful. But yeah, for next year, I'm curious, like Pulak, he had a 38-point pace last year, if you work it out, 32 points in 68 games. If he had 38-point pace last year, if you expect him to go up, maybe he could be like a pretty solid fantasy defenseman next year. Is like 45 points out of the question?
1: No, I don't think so, I, especially if, you know, he sees that top unit. I, I think if he's healthy and he's on that top unit, especially if Tavares is still around, um, yeah, forty-five points. I, I wouldn't be surprised in the least.
0: Okay, so yeah, definitely, listeners, keep your eye on Ryan Pulak. I think he'll be a good sleeper. Who was the good sleeper that we were mentioning earlier in the show? I forget now. We said someone's name.
1: Did we say? Oh, Gustav Forsling.
0: Okay, so yeah. but obviously Pulak over Forsling. Forsling's like a really yeah deep sleeper. yeah. I mean, that's Forsling, right. He's just sorry. No, no, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say like it sounds like you were saying Forsling's the type of guy have on your watch list just in case he could sneak in there. That's right. You know, he, he's like kind of
1: Julius Honka sort of thing, where you're you're, you're looking for for an opportunity to kind of break open for him, and then he's one of these guys that you maybe want to jump on on the wire uh, quickly if he finds himself in a in a nice spot. But Pulak's a guy that you could be drafting this year, kind of in the in the later rounds, and, and looking for him to contribute some real points for you uh, right away
0: okay cool so okay how about now do you why don't i just like give you the floor like are there any other players you want to highlight maybe plant your flag as like this is a like, cam robinson i'm telling you people he's going to be really good and then later on we could give you all the credit i love by the way how you got all the credit on that i think it was a Sportsnet podcast where they literally asked you who is going to be the type of player that someone's going to trade up for and you totally called You said dominic bach and then like five minutes later the blues trade up to draft him. So I I assume he might be one of your guys that you're going to plant your flag on, but like, what do you think of him? And also, is there anyone else you want to throw out there?
1: Yeah, I'm definitely team Bach. It was pretty funny. Yeah. So I, I called that shot with Bach there and then uh, we were out having some drinks with some of those, those sports night guys and the hosts that were just in like, that's, I was like career defining calling that (laughs) shot. And um, I I just laughed because, you know, for me, it was obvious. I hit pick 23s up or something like that and and box 11 on my board. So it's like, yeah, he's the guy I'd be moving up to get. So uh, Dominic Bach is a highly, highly skilled player. So it really reminds me of David Pasternak. And, and, you know, a lot of people were sleeping on Pasternak. I had him in my top 15 that draft year and he slipped all the way to the mid 20s. And we all know what's happened in in Boston since then. So um, a little bit. A little bit smaller player, but you know it can can stick handle in a phone booth. Uh, elusive. He's coming out of Germany, so when these kids are playing in these kind of second divisions and stuff like that, and the quality of competition isn't there, they're 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 the guy. You know, they're the big fish in the small pond, and they get to do whatever they want and run around. And so when they move out of that, their first year outside of those programs uh, can be a big transition for them. And so he he had a really nice season in the super elite. Um, did get called up and played a handful of games with Vekua. Um, in the SHL, he played on line with Elias Patterson actually for a while. That was a very difficult team to, to stay up with because they were a dominant SHL club. So he ended up back in the J20, but, uh, he, he's a really impressive skilled kid. So St. Louis, I loved them stepping up and, and trading up to grab him. Uh, he, he's going to be a player for sure. So fantasy wise, you know, watch Dominic Bach. Um, another guy I really like is, uh, Joel Farabee who I've been comparing to Claude Giroux forever and uh, lands in Philly. So, uh, you know, now he gets to learn from Claude Giroux. He's off to uh, Boston College next season. He'll probably play, you know, I'd expect him to play two seasons there. Um, but he's long-term, uh, a kid that's got a big, big upside. Uh, Grigory Denisenko, another highly skilled player, a Russian kid going to Florida. His uh, his counting stats playing in the, in the Russian Junior League didn't really show the talent that he has. So when you watch him play, he just creates and he, you know, despite being a little bit smaller, engages physically. And uh, he's a fun one to watch. Um, I can go down the list here. You know, Martin Kell. he's a speedy player who uh, at 16 is probably going to be really good value too. So he's a player. Um, Rasmus Kapari, he went to LA at 20 Uh, slippery, elusive, smart, great hands. Um, He's a centerman who I thought would get jumped on a little bit earlier because he plays the middle of the ice. So uh, he's one. Next up, Ryan Merkley there in San Jose, high risk with this kid. We we all heard about the the office issues and he basically doesn't play defense, but when he has the puck on his stick, few players create offense like he does. So with his feet, with his mind, uh play creation has great vision. So he's he's the type of kid that, you know, insulate him and put him in a good situation. And uh, hopefully, the off ice stuff kind of dissipates a little bit. He's a young guy, and, and you know, hopefully, clean that up. He's got huge ops, offensive upside. So, behind Daleen, maybe the, the next best offensive tools on the blue line in this draft. So Wow. Uh, well, San Jose yeah. doesn't
0: care about off uh, uh, ice issues, right?
1: Apparently not, right? Um, so, they, they took the chance. I thought he'd go in round one, where many projected him in the second round just because of all the other things going on with them. Um, but I was like, yeah, I bet you a team in round one's going to take a swing. Someone like the Rangers who has, you know, who had three first rounders or Ottawa who had a couple of firsts, you know, these guys, that can kind of um, uh, take down the risk a little bit uh, by having multiple firsts and be like, you know what, we got a, a, a sturdy guy here and then we took a swing on a high upside guy. But, you know, San Jose said, screw it. We're just going to take the kid who's got the, the best uh, and the highest upside and, and they did it and we'll see if it works out.
0: Yeah. Any of these guys who you've mentioned, do you see any of them playing next year? Is there anyone else that you could see making an impact next year that got drafted that we haven't talked about?
1: Uh, uh, no, I don't think any of those guys will be in the NHL. There's always like a couple of weirdos that slip in, um, that you're not projecting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe Isaac Lundestrom in Anaheim, but it's because he's already played two seasons in the SHL and he's very defensively responsible, but he's not really projected to be a high end fantasy guy. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really see too many guys. There's a, there's going to be, there's going to be someone who surprises for sure. But, uh, but outside yeah. the, the guys I was mentioning there, yeah, I think they're all, uh, you know, one to three years away from being in the NHL.
0: Yeah. There's always these people who like get drafted and then play just at the end of the year, just like you were saying might happen with, who was it? Quinn Hughes, I guess. Yeah. 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 So like last year, like we saw like Tolvanen and Middlestat like come in just at the very end to get a cup of coffee. So you never know, but that doesn't really count, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that could happen with a few of these college players. Like you know, if Wallstrom decides he's a one and done player. He he might end up in in for the Islanders at the end of his college season. Or yeah, that usually happens with NCAA guys.
0: Then I guess I should probably ask for my coworker. Like I said, that's a big Leafs fan. So the Leafs traded away their chance to pick Dominic Bach, who you're super high on. Then they end up getting at twenty ninth Rasmus Sandin. Is he someone? Do you think the Leafs made a bad move there or do you think it's going to work out well for them what did they i I don't even remember like what did they get in exchange for lowering their pick yeah what did they get I can't remember that exact deal they got another
1: draft pick anyways
0: i got it here okay they traded the pick to st louis which was as a result of a trade on june 22nd 2018 that sent winnipeg's first pick in 2018 to toronto oh my god is too complicated (laughs) apparently a bunch of picks were going around to satisfy different trades they I, think they,
1: up- I think they got a fourth is what I remembered anyways, but I might be wrong.
0: Okay. Well, anyways, Rasmus Sandin, anything you want to say about him? Uh, mobile
1: defenseman. He played for Sioux St. Marie. So that's where Cal Dubas was the GM, you know, a few years ago. And so he's obviously mm. very familiar with their program there. They, they drafted a couple kids out of the Sioux in Toronto. So he, he obviously is uh, you know, relying on some of the connections he made there. Um, Sandin, he's a, he's, a, he's a kid who's interesting because he was on loan from Sweden this year. So he started the season in Sweden, uh, got the offer to join join the Greyhounds on a top OHL squad, jumped ship, came over. And so he's eligible to play in the OHL, the AHL, the NHL. He can go back and play in the SHL. So his uh, his next step will be very interesting to watch. If it's me, I'm keeping him in, in Sault Ste. Marie, uh, where he can really dominate against uh, OHL competition before moving up to the AHL. But, but we'll see. I'm sure Dubas and, and company know what they're doing with him. But yeah, obviously for... For my money, you know, I had Sandin in at around 32, so getting them at 29 is just fine. But, uh, but passing on a kid like uh, Dominic Bach was—it's bold for sure, because that talent level is so so high. But uh, you know, uh, getting a defenseman is is so key to some of these guys, and, and they, they value them over a winger. Um, and, and so, so real life that you know they, they're probably happy with their pick, but for fantasy wise, you definitely want Dominic Bach.
0: Yeah, I mean, of all the teams that the Leafs are one of the teams that everyone talks about, they need to improve their defense. Their offense is fine, though they are going to lose JVR probably in free agency, and, like, we'll see who's left on the team, but maybe Caspery captain, or someone like him could step up. I guess every time I talk about a prospect, then I want to ask you about him. What do you think about Caspery captain? Okay, before I get into that, so what do you think? Do you have 15 more minutes, or do we need to start wrapping up?
1: Uh, yeah, let's call 10.
0: Okay, 10 more minutes. Yeah uh i want to ask okay let's ask about captain he's another guy who played last or no i actually know he, he's not on that list of people who just came in at the end he played a decent amount of time 38 games only nine points we had a question about him i think from a patron on one of our patron casts a couple months ago say, asking if he's going to be able to crack the top six and make an impact next year what do you think about him at this point 21 years old yeah captain uh,
1: i think he's a good real life player he's got blazing speed His his development has been really coming along i liked what i saw from him late in the season and in, uh, in the playoffs there too um, if I recall correctly, he didn't even go and join the Marlies for their playoff run and they went and won it all without him anyway. So, uh, the Leafs have a lot of good young players coming up. Andreas Janssen's coming, who I might prefer over Kapanen. He just plays that really pro style game. He's got good speed. He's got good work ethic. He scores goals. He sets up plays. Um, so I could see Johansson, Janssen, I should say, um, maybe stealing some ice time at a, at a Kapanen's. Um, lunch kit, but uh, I, th- I think he's one of these guys that's going to be a middle six player. So he- he's going to be able to contribute on a second power play, and he- his speed is going to be deadly on the on the penalty killing. Will create opportunities that way and up five on five. But you know, as-, as regarding top end upside, you know, fifty, maybe sixty points in a career year, but that's not what I'd be banking on.
0: Is the Johnson on the Leafs? Is he related to Kenny Johnson? I remember that was a player I used to be into when I was younger. <laughs>
1: I don't know. You always ask me about who who's related to who, and I have no idea. I think I I said someone wasn't related last year, and then we I mean, turned out it was, and I looked like a jerk. Oh, so,
0: Suzuki, uh, Nick Suzuki, that's related. right, that's right. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I I was like, no, 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 and yeah, definitely related to him. So uh, yeah, I have no idea if he's related to Kenny Johnson. <laughs> All
0: right, that's fine. That's probably not at the top of people's must know list from the uh, episode with Cam Robinson. <laughs> so yeah. I'm gonna get to. We had some questions about some players. I I've already brought some of them up, but yeah, we had specifically a tweet. From let me bring it up here at LeDrew 78. What do you expect from Ryan Donato this year asking for a points only lead? So Donato came in right at the end of the season for Boston. He was uh, a lot of people's like sleeper picks for playoff pools, and he ended up getting benched for a lot of games. So I guess that didn't work out too well. But he came in, and I believe it was Rick Nash was injured, and maybe someone else. And somehow Donato ended up on the top power play for a while, which was a great spot for him. And he, he had a few really good games. Do you think that he's going to be able to be a fantasy relevant guy next year?
1: Uh, yeah, I think he'll be relevant, um, especially for like stretches. Um, someone asked me that actually just on Twitter too, what I'm expecting. And, uh, you know, I said, you know, <laughs> maybe it's the same a, maybe this, yeah. Expect kind of like a, a 2020 season. So 20 goals, 40 points sort of thing and, and be happy with anything else. Uh, so, he, you know, he's 22, he's, he's going to be experiencing the, the kind of bumps that come along with being a rookie in the NHL, but if he's uh, if he's getting top six minutes, you know, and and uh, lands on the top power play unit, then obviously you know, bump those totals up. But uh, we saw him getting healthy scratch in the playoffs that he he wasn't quite at the level that they expect him when the when the time got you know, really crunched down. So I, I'd expect yeah, twenty goals, forty points. So I think you know for stretches he might get hot. And and what do you get like eight or nine points in a dozen games last year? So uh, that was that was pretty exciting for some. But you know, don't be penciling him in for sixty sixty five on that uh, on that pace.
0: Yeah, nine points in 12 games, but a lot of them came like in a couple, like, couple multi point efforts. Yeah. Uh, so, and then, okay, I have this list of players that I've been mentioning for a while. So, why don't I just to ask you, like, who of these guys do you think will have the biggest impact next year? I have Ellie in on Nashville and Casey Middlestat on Buffalo. And how about Dave Tippett on Florida, who were all people who were drafted a year ago? And I believe you were high on all of them. Who do you think is someone that people should be looking to draft next year, or maybe all of them? Dave Tippett coming out of retirement um Owen Tippett there in, ah, in Florida
1: <laughs> I had to I had to give you that one um I uh give me Casey Middlestat in this one here so I think he's got the clearest path to getting really nice deployment um he, he's a center iceman but uh, they might start him out in the middle especially if Ryan O'Reilly isn't dished um so put him on the wing and, and whether that's with O'Reilly or with Eichel and, and get snips on that top power unit Casey Middlestad's really really talented so he fell to number eight last year I think he was number four on my list for the 2017 draft he's a really highly skilled player we saw what he did at the world juniors um, and even with this, this little cup of coffee at the end of the season on terrible saber squad so uh, I'd like him I think uh, Ellie tolvenin has got uh, it's going to be harder for him to crack top six um, in right. Nashville because they're such a strong team and uh, obviously Philip Forsberg's not going anywhere off that top unit and so he, he's going to be really battling to get kind of secondary offensive ice to, to start his career. So I like Tolvin a lot. I think, you know, long-term his upside is very high, but I think uh, next season and maybe even the season after that he's, he's going to be fighting for it a little bit.
0: Did you hear by the way, that Buffalo made a trade today and acquired Connor Sherry from the Penguins? I did. Yeah. I got themselves a left winger. So I, I saw someone mentioned that the word was that, and again, who knows how credible these things are, but they were saying like Eichel playing with Reinhardt and Sherry might be the top line, which would put, I guess, middle stat with not as good players, but who, who knows what will actually end up happening
1: yeah even if middle playing on that second line at even strength I think that's still going to be conducive for him to to create and uh, and get some looks on the on the power play unit and stuff like that so or you know maybe he's centering the third line and he's playing with a guy like uh, another rookie like Nylander and they put a veteran like Okposo on his line and so that would be a decent kind of five-on-five five line and then again on the power play but um, yeah if, if Shiri's getting top line with with Jack Eichel that's obviously pretty good although You know, he was getting top line with with Crosby for a lot of the last two seasons and it it didn't really break well for him either. But, you know, he's a player. He's not someone I'm I'm jumping to get in fantasy, but um, he might move kind of some guys down like Alex Nylander, who was projected as maybe the top line left winger, despite not even being in the league uh, last season. So that, that kind of allows them to develop him a little bit longer.
0: Yeah, well, I guess we'll have to see if Sherry could hold the spot on the top line. He couldn't do it in Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh obviously has lots of competition for that. Okay, I know you got to go. Uh, let's just really quickly, We had, uh, I wanted to ask you one one more thing. Uh, so we had a question on Twitter from Rasmus asking, he's starting a new dynasty league, and you're like an expert about these like intense leagues where there's like, all these young players and minors and all of this, he's starting a brand new dynasty league and he's wondering like how to best prepare. If you like have any tips, uh, like, I'm curious, like I assume like Connor McDavid goes first overall and maybe like, at what point do you start drafting? You're, you're building a brand new team. At what point do you start drafting these guys who were picked like in the draft this year or last year versus going with the studs in the NHL?
1: Uh, it really depends on what you're trying to do. So uh, there's, there's like three different guys I feel like that start these dynasty drafts and you know the first guy, he's someone he's like, I'm going young, I'm getting these guys, I'm going to compete five years, and so you're basically targeting players that are 21, 22 and under, and so he's you know that that type of guy is going to going to lean on a, a Sveshnikov or Dolin pretty early in the draft. Um, then there's the guy that says, you know, nuts to all of you, I'm winning the championship first year, and then I can I can live off of that for a few seasons. And he's mm-hmm. going veterans, he's taking 27 and up, and and, and age be damned and long term be damned sort of thing. And then there's the guy that's playing in the middle. And so I try to be that middle guy. So I'm trying to get at the top of the draft. I'm trying to get elite talent today, regardless of how old they are. I'm going to take the best player that's available. It's going to help me in the next three years. And then as we're getting into around three, four, seven, eight sort of thing, I, I'm trying to find a healthy balance. So I, I want to get those top prospects. I want to kind of mine for the Elias Pettersons, the, the Casey Middlestats guys that are, you know, maybe a touch under the radar in their draft years. So, you know, this year we're looking at guys like Wallstrom. Um, and Zadina and things that aren't at the very top end of their draft class, but you know, so guys won't be really reaching for them, but they're still going to be really nice players down the line. Um, and then I'm trying to I'm trying to supplement that with you know 45 point defensemen that are veterans and kind of just keep that rotation filtering up. So as your your top end guys that are 30, 32, they start to phase out. You've got Oliver Wallstrom's 21, and he's stepping in and kind of taking that spot, so that you're continuing to kind of compete for a championship while also keeping an eye to the future. So uh, I guess, I guess whoever asked that question has to figure out what type of player they want to be for long-term uh, you know, longevity and and success. I, I think that being the middle one's the best option, but some of these guys, you know, you win a championship, you take the ship home in the first year and that's all that really matters. And then you can try to rebuild. And And I think these guys that uh, they go all young and, and really try to look five, six years down the road, end up kind of perpetually rebuilding right so they're always looking for the next 18 year old that's going to be a superstar and they're willing to trade a 21 year old who's already a star and uh, and those guys kind of get themselves in a, in a bit of a rut and are always looking for the next best thing and never really get there so that'd be my advice anyways
0: yeah, well, I mean, I feel like I could see myself being the, the guy who is going for the win now and forgetting about the future. I know Brian always makes this comment, which I kind of like, like saying, there's always like, like every year we're going to do a podcast with you where you're going to be talking about all these super exciting prospects that just got drafted. Like this year now, we have so many that you're excited about. So I would be tempted to like grab the like, I don't know, get like Ryan Getzlaff in the eighth round and Kovalchuk yeah. in the ninth round or whatever, yeah. like get these guys, cruise my way to the win. But it sounds like you've got the nice conservative view where you're just going to be a solid team year in, year out, which is probably the smart thing to do.
1: Yeah. Kind of, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that too. Like <clears throat>
0: as long as you don't go
1: too heavy and you have no fallback. So when those, you know, these chucks and gets slaps and you know, you might peel two years out of them and then you're like, Oh, I don't have anything to replenish the cupboards with. Um, so I'm totally down with competing right away because who knows how long these, these leagues last for, right? Like everyone gets well, yeah. to think their league is going to be going on for 40 years, but, uh, you know, you might be four years down the road and your team's finally ready to compete and the league falls. Um, so, so going after a championship in year one is fine. I think as long as you at least have a a sideways glance at the future and and grab some of these guys that still have some high upside, if you can mine for talent in the, in the late rounds, that's going to go a long way.
0: Okay, that makes sense. It, Yeah, I wonder if we should compare the statistics of like how, what percentage of marriages last versus fantasy leagues and see if you can get a higher amount. Because yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, if you don't, don't be so confident that it's going to last forever. People move, people change, people have babies. Totally. You have yeah. babies and you're doing just fine. <laughs> you're, your you're... priorities, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I know I've taken up so much of your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we leave, I want to give you a chance to promote. You've got a new Patreon. I'm in the Facebook group. I'm enjoying it. Why, why don't you tell everyone like what you're doing and how they could get on board? Yeah, sure.
1: So just trying to, uh, you know, keep the wife happy and the, the bank account a little bit flush there. So to, to make it worthwhile. So uh, my Patreon is uh, Crazy Joe DeVola, even though I just changed the Twitter handle. I don't know if you saw that. I've been taking some heat from somebody, but uh, oh. good for my brand to no longer be Crazy Joe. If you don't get the Seinfeld reference, I, I guess some of these uh, old you weren't, guys.
0: To be fair, you weren't even Crazy Joe DeVola. You were Crazy Joe DeVola 3, which yeah. I, I will say now that it's not your Twitter handle anymore, I will say it wasn't the most impressive Twitter handle. So what's yeah. so it now? Yeah. Uh, so now it's uh, hockey
1: underscore Robinson. Oh, so yeah. uh, obviously the last name's Robinson there. Um, but Cam, uh, Cam it,
0: Robinson's not available.
1: Cam Robinson's not available. I okay. wished I would obviously have been all over that, but uh, I tried a few combinations. Hockey Robinson is what I impulse landed on because I was going on serious this morning and I didn't uh, I wanted to get the publicity out there. So uh, but the patreon's still crazy Joe DiBola. Um I offer all sorts of, all sorts of goodies for, for real life and for fantasy people. Um, you know you just jump in as, as the bottom tier and you get a monthly newsletter so kind of pick my brain a little bit you get to see a window into what I'm thinking uh, next level up you get on a Facebook group or you, like you're saying Elon you're in there and uh, lots of lots of smart guys asking questions and I'm out there and, and trying to answer and um, I post all my audio and stuff like that and uh, sneak peek at my rankings and then as we go up uh, I have options for you know I can be your fancy butler so you you, you have access to me at all times during draft day and to send me private messages and be like, who's this guy or this guy? And I'll do that. Um, Just recently, some people have come up and and asked me to do some personalized draft rankings for them, for both NHL and for prospects for their league specific categories. Um, So I'm I'm definitely open to that. Uh, I'm basically a a gun for hire and and looking to uh, collaborate and and to to work on anything and everything hockey. So uh, one day, maybe I can do this full time.
0: Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's an amazing offer to have you, the prospect expert, just like at their disposal to ask anytime they want. So everyone listening, if you're interested, hey, help feed Cam's kids, help keep his spouse <laughs> happy. And if you are not a Seinfeld fan, then maybe the term crazy Joe Devola won't be the most memorable to you. So I'll put up a keepingcarlson.com slash Cam. And if you go there, it'll redirect to Cam's Patreon. So you can also find it over there. And uh, I guess That's it. That's all I got for you. I know I've kept so much of your time, but thank you so much again for joining us, Cam. Much appreciated. And yeah, good luck with the Patreon and with your rising Twitter fame. And hopefully uh, you'll never be too big to come on the show because it's always such a treat. Yeah, for sure. uh, Yeah, like I said, I always got time for you guys and uh, I'll go home and pack some boxes and get ready to move now. All right, good luck. Yeah, thanks. Okay, and with Cam gone, one other thing I will mention, Brian and I mentioned on our last episode that we've launched a Kickstarter that we're excited about. We're going to do it if you guys are interested. The first ever audio fantasy guide where basically Brian and I are going to take a week off of work and record like 20 hours of audio breaking down every single fantasy relevant player in the league. It's going to be an audio book, one chapter per team. We're planning on recording that at the end of August, if we get enough backers, just because we don't want to record it and then have no one buy it. And then I'm going to feel like an idiot that I spent 20 hours and a whole week recording something for nothing. So if you're interested on joining in and becoming a backer, you can check out keepingcarlson.com slash guide that will take you to the Kickstarter or, or you can go to Kickstarter and just search for Keeping Carlson. For some reason, our forwards, you have to go to keepingcarlson.com slash guide and not www.keepingcarlson.com slash guide. So keepingcarlson.com slash guide. You can read about what we're offering and if you're interested, you could sign up. The way Kickstarter works is if we don't get up to the level that we want to back the project, then you don't even get charged at all. So it's like no risk. You're either going to get this amazing audio guide for 15 bucks or you're going to not get charged. So if you're interested in that, Check it out. Thanks to everyone who has signed up so far. And obviously, if you signed up and you're really hoping it'll happen, you could always uh, spread the word. Wouldn't hurt. But again, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back at you with another regular episode, not this Sunday, but the Sunday after, where Brian and I will break down all the trades that have already happened. I know we have the Mike Hoffman thing. We have this trade just today, Connor Sherry. We have to talk about Kovalchuk. And there's going to be a whole bunch of free agent signings on July 1st. So definitely that is going to be one you're not going to want to miss. But until then, as Brian would say, keep on keeping Carlson. And I hope you enjoyed my interview with Cam Robinson. And once again, you can get his Twitter at Hockey underscore Robinson. That's where you can find Cam on Twitter. And if you go to keepingcarlson.com slash Cam, you could find his Patreon. All right. Bye, everybody.